Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel, chapter 1. Cindy, Cindy, would you give me some more water? Sorry. Blowing through it here. Someone once said that the art of compromise is dividing a cake in such a way that everyone believes they have the biggest piece. But as we've seen, God has called us to live lives that are not compromised, to live in such a way that we do not conform to the world or its standards, but rather that we live for God in all things and in all ways. The world we live in today is one that's often filled with compromise. In fact, from a very early age, we learn about this thing called compromise, don't we? We practice compromise throughout our lives. And the more we compromise, the easier that we find that it is to do. We hold a conviction until it gets a little uncomfortable. Or we hold our convictions as long as it doesn't stop us from doing something that we really desire to do. And if we can get by with a little less effort than our best, we'll do that as well. We'll compromise a little bit here. Or there. If, uh, if we can hedge a little on biblical principles to avoid detection as a believer, we'll do that too in many cases if it accomplishes our goal. The culture that we live in today is increasingly less and less concerned about biblical morality. And as such, we are left to defend our convictions against an onslaught of moralism and relativism and humanism, not to mention, as I said last time, plenty of hedonism. And so we can easily give up our convictions. We easily let go of our standards to gain some practical end. And when we get into a situation where we're confronted with the issue of giving a defense for our convictions, thank you, sometimes our greatest principles are shoved to the background because we don't want to offend somebody. We... Uh, and we're really afraid to speak what we believe for fear of persecution. Perhaps in the life of a Christian is that nowhere more obvious than when you stand in the midst of a conversation where you know you should speak up for Christ. But rather than be thought evil or be thought less of, we keep our mouths closed and we're silent about Christ when he should be brought into that conversation. That in itself, my friends, is a form of compromise. In other words, for the salvation of our own egos, for the sake of our own pride, we readily compromise what God tells us to hold so very dearly. Well, last time when we looked at three distinct points for living an uncompromised life, and Daniel and his three friends are our example. And if you look at verse 8, let's just remind ourselves of those three points quickly before we get into our text here tonight. Verse 8, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he had drank. And so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? 
then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So we listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better. And they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one, was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Last time, again, we looked at verse 8 in the beginning part of verse verse 8, and we said, point number one, to live an uncompromised life for God, you must purpose to do so in your heart. It's something you need to decide if you're going to live for the Lord or not. Remember, Daniel is around 14 years of age, no more than 16. He has purposed in his heart, or literally he has laid it upon his heart to live for the Lord. And there were three very worldly things that happened to these young exiles when they were brought in. If you remember, the first thing they did was they inculcated them with pagan wisdom. They were going to teach them about worldly things. And and the uh, Persians were very good, the Babylonians, I'm sorry, were very good about, uh, matter of fact, they were world leaders in math and science and architecture. They were going to be brought up in that schooling. They were to be educated in those things. Secondly, remember, they were to be given pagan names. And they're changing all of their names to pagan names. And third, they were to be given pagan food. Now, the first two they accepted. They went on with the pagan education. It wasn't all evil. And they could sort through those things themselves and frame them in a godly way. Remember, again, the Babylonians are very advanced in science, very advanced in mathematics, very advanced in architecture. Secondly, they accepted their pagan names that they were given. Why? Because regardless of what the Babylonians called them, they knew their God-given names. They knew who they were. No matter what they called them, it wasn't going to change their identity in the Lord. But the diet was where Daniel drew the line. If you remember here, Daniel said, I will not defile myself. It's a very distinct phrase. That word defile means to pollute or to stain with an ugly stain. I will not stain myself by eating this. I will not pollute myself with this. I will not pollute my life with the king's food. Why? Well, there 
were no strict prohibitions in the Word of God against taking a pagan name. None. There were no strict prohibitions in the Word of God against learning what some other people had to teach, but there were very strict prohibitions about what you could eat. So Daniel drew the line of no compromise in his life on what the Word of God said. What then is it that you must purpose in your heart to live an uncompromising life for God? You must purpose in your heart to draw the lines in your life where God has drawn those lines. Not where you think they should be. Not where you think God should have placed them. But he has given you all the lines that you need. He has framed it for you and said, here's how I want you to live your life. Here's the things that are important to me. Here's what you need to do. Stay on this path. Point number two in the second part of verse eight. We said to live an uncompromised life for God, you must develop courage. When Daniel not only decided to not, to not defile himself by eating the king's food, that took great courage. Great courage. Daniel and his friends had been placed in a privileged position. Refusing the royal diet might have been taken as an insult to the king, to the most powerful man on the planet at that time. And it could have cost them their lives. A little bit later, we're going to see what happens when the king gets angry. And he starts pitching people into fiery furnaces. But Daniel had every reason to compromise, didn't he? Every reason. But he didn't. You know why? Because he had developed spiritual courage. He would learn the king's language. He would accept the name, but never the lifestyle. The spiritual courage of an uncompromising life is rooted in the absolute obedience to the principles of the word of God. When you live an uncompromising life, God is going to give you spiritual courage to face the inevitable costs that come with living an uncompromised life. You may say, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have the courage to do that. But when you purpose in your heart to live your life for Christ, God will give you the spiritual courage that you need to live that life. Dixie mentioned uh, an uncomfortable situation where somebody mentioned something that is contrary to the word of God. It would have been very easy to just kind of dismiss that and laugh that and move away. And uh, so I'll embarrass her publicly here. Uh, but she didn't. She said in a very loving way, we teach the Bible here at Portage Bible Church. And this is what the word of God says. And when the person pushed back a little bit, she said, we teach the Bible at Portage Bible Church. And this is what the word of God says. And it kind of shut things down. But it also was a very gracious way to say, this isn't my personal opinion. This is where God has drawn the lines. And wherever God has drawn the lines is where I'm going to live my life. That's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to follow that pattern. That took a lot of courage, incidentally, to do that. But you saw how God rewarded that. Instead of being offended and moving away, it actually probably brought that person back again to say, very gracious and loving, but uncompromising to the word of God. Verse 9, we said, finally, point number 3, God will take care of those who refuse to compromise his word. So to crown it all, we find God opening his understanding and giving him wisdom and interpretation of dreams and visions, as here with Daniel. 
The four men noticed that Espenaz was especially friendly and kind to them and recognized that this was the working of the Lord. Okay, so we're going to pick up our text now in verse 10 here today. We want to talk about the character here of an uncompromised life. So point number one in our text here today, the character of an uncompromised life requires risk. The character of living an uncompromised life is going to require some risk. To question the king's decision not only would jeopardize Daniel's future, but it would also jeopardize those who would agree to his plan. In other words, it's not just Daniel who's at risk here when Daniel presents his plan in the next verse. This caretaker, this overseer, he's going to have some risk involved in this as well. To get an idea of how much risk, remember at the verse, the end of verse 10, you remember what he says? He said, then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. That's a pretty steep price, is it not? To follow along with Daniel's plan. There is always risk involved, my friends, if you're going to live an uncompromised life for the Lord. There will always be a risk involved. There might be a risk of you losing family. There might be a risk of friends leaving you. There might be a risk of people saying things behind your back. There might be you might be ridiculed, you might be persecuted, you might be looked down upon. There'll be a risk. Your decision to live an uncompromised life for the Lord will always require some risk. Why do I say that again? Because when we are removed from pressures, we may find it easy to say that we would not struggle to risk security and success to maintain faithfulness. But it's not always that easy, is it? When you're in the pressure situation yourself, it's easy to say, well, I know I would stand for the Lord. I would never compromise on that. But when you're in the midst of that pressure situation, it's not always as easy to take your stand. If you're a young person here tonight, you're in the midst of your peer pressure, it's hard to live for the Lord in uncompromised life. It takes spiritual courage. And you have to understand that there'll be a risk involved when you do that. If you're not prepared for the battle, you may succumb to the pressure and compromise your faith. We shouldn't dismiss it so easily and so readily because the Bible never does. The Bible tells you to be prepared. The Bible tells you to be ready. The Bible tells you to armor up. The Bible tells you to keep your eyes focused on Jesus in the midst of your trials, to cling to the rock, that he's our refuge. God is telling you, when you live your life according to the word of God, you better be prepared. Because you're going to risk some things in your life. And some of those you may hold dear. Our study of Hebrews alone should remind you that those believers were under terrible pressure to return to Judaism. They were faced, they were, they were ostracized out of the only community they ever knew. First and second Peter speak a lot to this pressure that was on believers. Living an uncompromised life for the Lord is not painless. It's not always fun either. Friends will disappear from your life when you take a stand for the Lord. Others will gossip about you or abandon your friendships when facing peer pressure. Peer pressure. Oftentimes, it's not just friends. It can be family as well. 
There will be a risk to compromise when you're facing that kind of pressure or persecution. And many times, when we want to get out of a situation that's really a spiritual issue, we'll give another reason other than a spiritual reason to get out of it. We don't want to admit what that is. Somebody will say, hey, why don't you come along with this? Why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? Say, I don't know. I don't believe that's right. I believe it's sinful to do that. I don't want to compromise my commitment to Jesus Christ. Instead, we'll say, yeah, it would be real nice, but i got to stay home tonight. i got to do something else. I've got other plans. I don't think I can make it. We don't really say that there's a spiritual reason for not attending. But I want you to notice what Daniel does here. He doesn't say, you know, King, ever since I was a little fellow, I've had this very special diet. I don't know. I'm averse to vegetables. He doesn't try to wiggle out of it by coming up with some non-existent excuse. He doesn't say, well, you know, my body just won't be able to adjust to that. He doesn't say I'm very ill. I don't feel too well. No, at 14 to 16 years of age, he says, I will not defile my body. There's a prayer in uh, West, the West Point cadets say. It's called the cadet prayer. And it's repeated every Sunday in chapel services by the cadets at West Point. Here it is. Make us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And never to be content with half truth when the whole truth can be won. Endow us with courage that is born of loyalty to all that is noble and worthy. That scorns to compromise with vice and injustice and knows no fear when right and truth are in jeopardy. Amen. That's a great prayer. That's an uncompromising prayer. I wonder how many of us could recite this with the same sincerity and purpose as these young cadets. Well, let's look at verses 11 to 16 there. Point number two, the character of an uncompromised life requires resolve. It requires resolve. Daniel understood the risk inherent in this situation and the difficulty for this official. And he wasn't indifferent to the man's concerns. And he approached the problem, doesn't he, with a tactfulness, right? He says, I've got a solution for you. How about we do this? He suggests a way out, a way to be able to maybe perhaps uh, make this work. He showed a sensitivity to the situation. He showed unusual wisdom. Look at verse 11. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days, right? Let us know, let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. So he goes to the guard and the chief official appointed over him, and he proposes an alternative. Then in verse 13, then let our appearance be observed in your presence, and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. In other words, Will, how about we try this? And then you stack us up next to those who are eating the king's choice food. And if we look like we're losing weight and uh, getting, you know, uh, getting peaked and, and weak and we're not as plump and healthy as the others, then uh, do with it what you will. We'll take that stand. We're willing to take whatever consequences you say based on that. Now that showed great resolve on Daniel's part. He didn't simply give up and compromise. And I think it's also instructive for us to see how to deal with people in situations when we are tempted to compromise. Notice what he does. 
Daniel was not belligerent. He was very polite and reasonable. And when you take your stand to live an uncompromised life, it would behoove us all to remember the resolve that Daniel has shown here. Because the best way for us to demonstrate resolve is to be a pleasant and considerate person, but yet unyielding in our stand for the Lord. Daniel was accommodating. He was gracious, but he refused to compromise. And I want you to notice that his resolve to find a solution, while not undermining his testimony, was well received. Look at verse 14. So he listened to them in this matter, and he tested them for 10 days. So the, he granted the four their requests. The results were good. Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better. And they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So we read in verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, their appearance seems better, and they're actually fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the other group is eating probably meat, pork, probably not a lot of vegetables, and plenty of wine. This group somehow got fatter on vegetables. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever tried that or not. I have never once gained weight eating vegetables, but unless you dunk them with a lot of cheese, maybe that was what the Lord was doing. All right. So he continues, right? So he continues them on their strict diet. Now, that was a great act of faith, was it not, on the part of this 14, 15-year-old boy? To believe that God would produce greater health in those four with less nourishment. It wasn't in the vegetables. It wasn't in the water. This isn't some ancient vegan diet. Daniel was resting in the Lord and he was using, he used his resolve as an opportunity to put the Lord to the test here. This is God moving here. Believe me, my friends, they did not get fatter on broccoli. God's hand is involved in all of this. And Daniel was so sure that God would respond that he was willing to stake even his life on it. What great resolve Daniel had to say, you know what? You're putting me to the test. But really, it's God putting to the test. And my God will deliver us. And that lesson is going to serve him well in about another chapter here, is it not? My God will deliver us. It was an act of faith. Luke 16 says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. A person proves their faithfulness to the Lord in the small things of life, the daily things of life. If you're making compromises in your life, if you're unwilling to take the risk of standing for the Lord, if you've not developed spiritual resolve to stand for the Lord, and you start compromising in the little things of your life, before you know it, it kind of just eats away at the edges of all the support. And before, before you know it, my friends, you've lost that foundation of living for the Lord. You think that you would stand firm for the Lord in the big things in your life. Have you ever heard people say, well, if it came to it and I had to deny the Lord Jesus, I would definitely say I would never do that. I'd, I'd rather die first. But then you say, but you're willing to compromise over here and over here and over here and 
over here and over here. I know you think those are little things, but if you're willing to compromise on all those little things, what makes you think that you would be unwilling to compromise on this? You're already compromising. Already compromising. Finally, in verse uh, 17 to 21, our third point, the character of an uncompromised life is rewarded. Look at verse 17. Their success was a gift from God God gave them all they needed to know for the knowledge and wisdom that could be applied. And they lived in their society. Look at verses 18 and 19 then. Then at the end of the days, right, the king had specified per, per, for presenting them. Right, They bring him even before the king. Now think about this. This is the king's personal involvement. It's not just somebody they delegated this off and said, okay, we got another group of exiles in. We got about 70 of these young uh, young man, let's bring them in. You guys know the routine. We feed them. You know, let's see who's the who's the best student. Let's see who's the sharpest. Let's see who's the who's the healthiest. This one, the king personally is involved. That tells you that he was probably looking for youths who would serve on his personal court, not just in the kingdom somewhere, but in his personal court. Then in verse 20, we saw here again, as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them what? Not once better, not twice better, not three times better, but how much? Ten times better. That's probably a direct quote from the king. And not just ten times better, but ten times better than whom? All the magicians and all the conjurers who were in his realm. Daniel and his friends were clearly superior than all the rest. They were the top of their graduating class, if you will, of these 70 exiles. Outranking their fellow Hebrew classmates who had made compromises. They were vastly superior. Vastly superior to all the rest in the kingdom. All the magicians. All those practicing the occult, the witchcraft, and all of those things. These four stood 10 times better. And they never compromised one little bit. How gifted were they? Look at verse 20 again. Every matter of wisdom and understanding, all of them that the king inquired, 10 times better than those trusted advisors of his. Finally, in verse 21, it says, Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. My friends, that's 70 years. 70 years. God kept blessing him and using him again and again and again. What a powerful testimony to the character of Daniel and the way that God rewarded Daniel and his friends for living an uncompromised life. My friends, stand true for the word of God. It won't always be popular. Matter of fact, I will tell you, it rarely is. There'll be great risk involved. You need to have some spiritual courage before you have that, develop that spiritual courage which the Lord will give to you, you need to purpose in your heart that this is how I'm going to live my life no matter what. This is how I'm going to live my life. Not for me, but for God. I want God to be honored in my life no matter the cost. And you need to be prepared for those situations when somebody is looking for a way to undermine or, or try to force you to compromise your belief in the Word of God. You need to be for that. You need to have some resolve and say, 
I know this might happen in this situation, but I will not compromise for the Lord. I will not compromise for the Lord. It'll take spiritual courage. It's so easy for you to just get caught up in it, to look for a way to not take your stand. But I would encourage you, based on Daniel's powerful testimony here in chapter 1, that God rewards those. It may not be in this lifetime, but it definitely will be in your eternity. Every time you've made a stance for God, every time you've spoke up for Christ, every time you've said, I will not do that because that would be offensive to my God. I will not do that. That's contrary to the word of God. When you do those things, God knows those things. So be ready. Trust that God will provide all that is needed for you to live an uncompromised life. Understand and prepare those, for those risks, my friends. He will reward, whether this life or in eternity, he will reward. That's the message of Daniel chapter 1. Live an uncompromised life. You're going to see that play out in chapter 2 and chapter 3, actually all the way through the book of Daniel. Once again, living a life for the Lord in an uncompromised way. God will use you mightily, glorify himself in Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, again for the reminder from your truth here today, Lord. Sometimes we think, well, I, I think I do live that kind of life, but Lord, I would urge all of us, all of us to examine our life from that perspective. Are we as uncompromising as Daniel? Have we purposed in our heart that we're going to live for the Lord no matter what? Lord, have we developed that spiritual courage to not just run and avoid, but rather to stand firm? We have resolve. We learned how to stand firm and be uncompromising, but do it in a way, Lord, that allows us to have a powerful testimony for you at the same time. Lord, do we trust that you know that, that you see every instance where that happens? We believe that in our heart. Lord, that's what your word has taught us tonight, the first chapter of Daniel. May we apply it to our lives in a way that brings you honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand, shall we? Let's be close tonight. <clears throat>